I will call the planning and zoning board meeting for February 14th, 2024 to order. Uh, can we have a roll call, please? Chairman Kennedy? Here. Mr. Duane? Here. Mr. Androkovics? Here. Mr. Wright? Present. Mr. Rainbird? Here. And Mr. Amalfitano and Mr. Hatcher are excused. Okay, uh, before we move forward, I would respectfully ask that everybody please make sure your phone is turned to silent or vibrate. Thank you. Um, there are no approval of minutes at this time, and there is also no business at this time, so we'll move directly to new business. The first item under new business is CU2302, request for a conditional use permit to allow for outdoor storage within a shipping container within the B3 Highway Commercial Zoning District for the property at 240 North Ridgewood Avenue. And we have a staff report, please. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, so this came before the board on January 10th, planning and zoning meeting. Uh, and the reason that the applicant has requested to rehear this conditional use permit is that the board at the recommendation of staff put in the condition for slatting in the chain link fence in accordance with the code. Uh, the applicant is asking for the waiver of the slatting requirement, and that is due to the fact that, at the time, staff was not aware that the back of the property is heavily vegetated, <laughs> which would defeat the purpose of the slatting requirement. They would have to remove yeah, the shrubbery and other foliage. Um, this is some examples of that back part where that slatting would have been required with that condition. So the motion today is to approve approve the conditional use permit for outdoor storage at 240 North Ridgewood without the condition of sliding in the chain link fence. Okay, I'll open the public hearing and ask if there are any comments or questions from the audience. Board comments or questions? I'll close the public hearing and ask for a motion. Motion to approve um, CU2302 version 2 as, as written. Second, Rainbow. Chairman Kennedy? Yes. Mr. Duane? Yes. Mr. Androkovics? Yes. Mr. Hack? Mr. Um, Mr. Wright? Yes. Mr. Rainbird? Yes. Okay, next item on the agenda is BA2327, request for a variance from Article 20. Section 21-660.03 to allow for the alteration of an existing non-conforming pole sign in lieu of the requirement to install a monument sign for the property at 613 North Ridgewood Avenue. Can we have a staff report, please? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, so staff <coughs> did send out public notice within 500 feet to surrounding property owners, as we do on all uh, applications. The request before you is to uh, replace the lettering within the existing sign, the existing chili dog sign. The applicant has recently purchased the building, and they want to replace the lettering. According to Article 20, when it changes ownership, they are required to change to a monument sign. So the variance request today is to uh, just change out the lettering and not go to a monument sign. Staff did review uh, the applicant's um, statements and the applicant's request in, uh, in coordination with Article 9, Section 21-100.04D, not administrative variance, 
and found that the applicant could not meet all six of the criteria, and I'll be happy to go into further detail. Um, at this time, staff is recommending denial. However, I will uh, state that Environmental Services did note that it appears the prior property owner yielded an easement along the western boundary to support a sidewalk for pedestrian connectivity along US-1. If the pole-mounted sign were to be required to become a monument sign, this would bring into likely conflicts with pedestrians and bicyclists. The applicant did note that no other location on the property would be better suited for a monument sign and that it would likely limit the parking on site, which staff would concur with that sentiment. Okay. I will open the public hearing and ask if there are any comments or questions from the audience. I'll just need your name and your address, please. Uh, my name is Kevin Remus. I'm the applicant's real estate broker. Basically what Ryan was saying, we just feel like there's no really better location on the property. It's been used before, I think, by multiple businesses. And I think there's other businesses along US-1 that also utilize the same type of signage. So as far as you know, providing the same amount of, and there's been multiple businesses that have been in that location. So the, the ability for it to be seen and bring more customers and just help promote for the business to stay there for many, many years to come, I just feel like not only is there no better location for the sign on the property, but also for the sustainability and future of the business. So that's all I got. And my, did I say my, even my address? Yes, please. Sorry, uh, Tim Loomis, five, uh, 509 Canal Street, New Smyrna. Thank you. Any other public comments? Did we address this one? We did, yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, board comments, <coughs> questions? The only comment, and, and I, I actually had a discussion with Ryan regarding this. Um, the only thing, thought I had, and I think I raised the same thing the last time we dealt with this, is that space next to the um, red car to the south of it, but that would be eliminating the parking space, which they say, I understand the logistics would be really not fair to the business. So other than that, move on, I have a problem. Pole sign issue, that's the hurricane safety, right? Um, so Bringing it down would be safer in high winds, that's, that's uh, I mean, it's it, it is engineered. I mean, I, I don't know specifically if this one's engineered to withstand hurricanes. I would hope it was when it was designed, um, since we are in a hurricane area. Yes, monument signs are being like other it would be a little bit safer. But Article Twenty is mostly a design standard, so yeah. Okay. So aesthetic. Aesthetic. So it's not a safety. It's not a safety issue. Because mm -hmm. bringing that sound on, I mean. It'd be great to see. This is like you said. There's been like seven businesses here. I've been here a long time. It'd be great to see somebody succeed here. And if you bring that sign down on the ground, you're just going right, right past the. the shame. Well, it, it's basically because of the location. I mean, we've had other businesses where uh, the, the code is you're supposed to any change to the sign face needs to have be placed with a monument sign. So under new ownership. Yeah, under under new ownership. But this is a unique situation, the location and the logistics of the location of the sign. And in fairness to the business owner, certainly we understand that. Is that the border where the street color changes? The, 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 yeah, the, that's between New Smyrna and Edgewater. Well, sure it, that's pretty close. New, New Smyrna starts at 10th Street, and, and it's, it's close to it. 
Penn Street is the beginning of New Salem. Okay, any other questions? All right, I'll close the hearing and ask for a motion. Make a motion to approve VA 2327. Second, Rainbird. Chairman Kennedy? Yes. Mr. Duane? Yes. Mr. Androkovics? Yes. Mr. Wright? Yes. And Mr. Rainbird? Yes. Okay, next item on the agenda is VA 2402. Request for several variances from Article 20, Section 21-640.05 and 21-640.10 to allow for a self-service car wash to have prohibited facade treatments for the property at 618 North Ridgewood Avenue. Staff report, please. Thank you. So city staff did send out public notice within 500 feet. Uh, this is for a proposed car wash at the entrance of the city. Uh, the applicant is requesting a variance from Section 21-640.052, prohibited facade treatments to allow the self-service car wash to allow garage doors for vehicular service on the facade of the building to face US-1. So the code here does not allow garage doors to face US-1. Um, the applicant had also requested a variance from Section 21640.053, prohibited facade treatments to allow for glass curtain walls, which are evident on uh, the top there. And the applicant had requested another variance from Section 21-640.10A, building color, to allow for teal and purple facade color treatment, and in addition to rainbow colors illuminating from the building at night. Uh, this is a redevelopment of property that has long been vacant. It is highway commercial. They have submitted for a site plan, and it is under with under review. Uh, the explanation of the hardship by the applicant is no matter no matter the proposed orientation of the self-service car wash building, the entrance or the exit to the tunnel will always be visible or facing a portion of US-1. From an operational perspective, the geometry of the property would not allow for proper access to the building tunnel if considering the option where the building and tunnel oriented, oriented in a north-south direction along the long axis of the building and further west into the property as the property becomes narrower in that direction. And the equipment required for the car tunnel to function must be a straight path for over 25 feet into and out of the tunnel, while also providing reasonable queuing and turning space for vehicles in and out of the tunnel. This is not an option uh, if the building was oriented in any other fashion. Um, staff did review within, within the six guidelines that in order to grant an administrative variance and found that the applicant could not meet um, the requirement of meeting all six criteria. Um, with that said, the Environmental Services Department did review the subject variance and did not offer any comments um, because it does not interfere <coughs> with the function of traffic, stormwater, or other services. Um, this is an image of the landscape plan that was submitted with the first uh, site plan um, that shows kind of where the car wash would go um, and how it is visible from US-1 there. This is an image of the building at night um, with the car door there and the proposed car wash. Um, with that, staff will entertain any questions. Okay. I will open the public hearing and ask if there are any comments or questions from the audience. Okay. I just need your name and your address when you come up, please. Terry Raider, 460 Palmetto Street. 
I am still rebuilding my house from this hurricane. My fear when I heard car wash was water, okay? I know a lot had to do with the storm water behind county project, not city, I understand. So I would like a little bit more on where the storm water, where this water from the car wash is going. Penn Street's already been built up. Habitat houses in front of us. I don't know how much this is going to be built up, which leaves us in a gully. That stormwater drain has not been anything done with on the street since 1980, when I lived at the end of the street, which that house was taken for a road widening project. So I have fear, where is this water going? My other thing is lights. To look at it from the, the you know, website, it looks like Mardi Gras is going to be in my front yard. My other concern is how late is this car wash going? I know it's a business, you know, property, but you've got residential beside it, you've got residential behind it. How long are these vacuum cleaners going to run to? And this loud, I mean, maybe it's loud, I don't know, noise going to happen when we're a working neighborhood. I got three more years before I can retire. I get up every morning at 5.30. I don't want to listen to something banging to, is it going to go with whatever the city's, uh, you know, ordinances for noise? Do they have to be shut <coughs> down at that time too? So the storm water, the water, the lights, you know, is that something that's going to be reflected in all our windows? Um, pretty much the water, but how long the operation will be and uh, I know it's got to be hurricane approved, so the next hurricane, we shouldn't open up the doors and find the car wash in our front yard. I'm sure that'll have to be to hurricane specs. And, uh, and I guess that's it. That's what I just wanted to know, okay. if all that's been looked at. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Applicant? Yes. Okay. You want to um, you wanna come up and um, introduce yourself and address and then just... Uh, maybe answer some of her questions. Sure thing. Uh, my name is Angel Piñero. I'm with Dynamic Engineering, owner's representative, uh, offices at 100 Northeast, um, 5th Avenue, Delray Beach, Florida. Um, as far as the stormwater concerns, initially we had a design where it split the, the stormwater areas in between the north of the parking. It, could you go to the landscape? Thank you. North of the parking there, also on the west side, which is, I believe, West Avenue here. But that has since been revised because when the county built Penn Street, they provided an outfall along Penn Street next to the, the retention area on the north side, uh, north of the parking over there. So this area on the, on the west side is not going to have any stormwater retention or anything along. There it's just going to be grass and I think you have, I want to say, I don't have a scale here, but I, I would think about at least 50 feet there of just grass buffer landscape. So the visibility from your house should be pretty shielded from there. Um, and then it's no longer going to have any stormwater area in there that could potentially run off into the road uh, during a hurricane or anything like that. It's all going to be contained on the north side of the parking lot 
and it's just going to all fall into 10th Street and go into that system. Uh, say again? Eventually, it's, it's, it'll go into the canal. Okay. Well, I'm. So right right now the site is mostly a dilapidated slab from what used to be there. I think it was a supermarket, uh, grocery store, and and the rest is just paved parking lot. So that generates a lot of runoff. There's really no grass for the water seep into the ground. That's going to change a lot with this. So the air, that area is going to get reduced. The flow coming out of the site is going to be a lot less than what it is right now. So it is a, an improvement considering what's out there right now, which is basically just runoff sheet flowing into the street where it's in front of your house, I believe. Yes, but it, every, well, everything on our site is going to be self-contained within the north area there, except for maybe the portion on the west side that just needs to grade back down. But that's all going to be grass and landscape now going to be a lot less flowing over the street. So all things considered, it's a, a big improvement from what's out there right now. Um, I'll also add that the, the area, about half of the site to the west, is in a flood zone. Um, so unfortunately, that's, that's just an existing condition that's there. And we're definitely making it better with, with this development um, as, as it relates to stormwater. Um, regards to the lights, I know there's a variance for it. Um, I will add that the applicant is changing the roof to be a solid material, so those lights won't be seeping out as, as you see it on the, you want to go to the light render, as you see it there. And as far as the hours of operation, I don't have a set number right now from, from the owner, but it'll just be whatever the city code requires it to be. So whatever hours of operations need to be met with the city code, <coughs> noise levels, that's just all going to have to comply with code. Um, I will add that se separately from, from your concerns, the door location facing North Ridgewood Avenue, US-1, there really isn't any way to <coughs> prevent that visibility from from Richwood, as I explained, because if we flip the building north-south, push it over to the west, we looked at that option. It doesn't operationally, it doesn't work for the use. Um, there's not enough space. Uh, the, the, the property gets narrower as you go west. And then if we if we were to put it towards the east side, it also doesn't work with queuing, be able to get enough cars out of US-1 quickly enough so it doesn't impede traffic. Um, so I think with also placing the building north-south, if somebody's driving northbound on US-1 or somebody's driving southbound on US-1, they're both going to see doors that way rather than just having one view as, as the building is laid out now. That's going to be heavily landscaped. That's an old version of the landscape plan that's been revised to comply with the, the um, comments we received from staff and with code. So right now in front of the, car, the entrance to the tunnel, it's going to be heavily landscaped by podocarpus shrubs, which are going to be 72 inches high when installed. So we're talking about close to six feet tall shrubs as they, when they're installed. 
So, you know, with all that screening there, I, I don't even think that's any way going to be visible from the road regardless. Um, I do have a copy of the revised landscape plan. I'm not sure if I can share this around, if the, if the board members would like to see it. But I've, I've highlighted the, the plan schedule and the location where those shrubs are going to be for <coughs> everyone's benefit. So the, the location as it is now, it, it, it really helps with traffic flow to get cars off of US-1. We've also worked very closely with the fire department to make sure there's adequate access to the building and coverage around the building. And as far as the engineering goes, like I said, the stormwater is just going to be contained towards the north side of the parking lot there. And the west side for her <coughs> is going to be heavily screened with landscape, and it's just going to be a grass area that's going to reduce, reduce stormwater runoff into the Palmetto Street Road, which is right now it's all just sheet flowing there with with mostly impervious area which doesn't really doesn't really help reduce the storm stormwater rainfall amounts um, if there's any other concerns or questions from the board I'd be happy to answer those question yeah um, just a quick so you said that you're gonna um, not have a glass roof and right so the roof is gonna be a, a solid material now it's not gonna be see-through at all so will it be any any illumination at night like what you were proposing or no? Well, the, the, the building's still going to have its own illumination. It's just okay. not going to seep through the, okay. through the roof, right. um, uh, as, as I mean, shown on the, on the that, renderings. That's, that's pretty uh, a beautiful <laughs> picture. I mean, I, I thought that. I, I, know, I know I had a discussion with Ryan, and he was like 1.5 lumens, which is like a candle. Well, you know, it's not bright at all. It's, it right. really is well, quite stunning. We've, we've had conversations with, with Mr. Solstice about that, and we've since then revised the, the, the lighting plans to provide zero lumens at okay. the property line. So there will be no seepage of light, and I think that's what code requires anyway. So we have to comply with that regardless. You could have any color lights on, on the south side like you had? I'm, I'm not entirely sure about what um, I like the lights. color lights can or can not be on there to be honest with you. I'm sorry about not having those details, but uh, this is what we were provided from the architectural group. Um, all I can say at this time is that I know the roof won't won't you won't see those lights on the roof. It's still going to be a curved roof. It's still going to be that a curved roof, but it, it's just going to be a solid material that's not going to okay. you know there's not going to be a light seepage through. So the Ridgewood design standards prohibits fluorescent. Yeah. Yeah. Colors. Um, I was quite uh, impressed with the, the old landscape plan. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure the new landscape plan is, is, is beautiful. It's going to be a, a, a beautiful site coming into the city of Edgewater, considering what has not been there in so many years. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the corporation is putting in a lot of money invested into our city, and we, we appreciate that um, for, for many reasons. It sounded like you said you're you're removing some of the concrete slabbing there, and you're going to be adding to permeability of the property. Yes, definitely. So all the this existing is going to be better. There's going to be grass here. There's going to yes. I mean, this is just a mud pit right now. I think it's going to be. 
They're adding grass, they're adding shrubbery, they're adding trees. They're getting rid of some of that concrete that just holds the water there. They're going to add. Looks like it's going to be okay. Well, the environmental services would have, would have addressed that if there was any concerns, and right. they, they kind of signed off on it. So I, that's not going to be an issue. I mean, what you're adding to that site is is magnificent, really. It it's really ugly is. right now. There, not, can we not have a, a back and forth like this? I mean, if, it's gonna, if she's going to talk, come to the microphone. Or, did you guys have any other questions? There's a there's about 70 feet, you know, roughly measuring here with my finger and a, and a known measurement. There's about 70 feet or more that's just going to be from this from the edge of Palmetto Street to the edge of the curb, the westernmost curb line. That's just going to be grass, trees, and and shrubbery and and landscape. So it's all going to be just that that whole Buffer there, it's just going to be landscape pretty much. They were all worried about Aldi, and that didn't turn out too bad, you know. No, it was, this Aldi is, looks pretty nice. This is magnificent, though. Beautiful project. Okay, thank you. Well, thanks. All right, you guys have any other questions for each other? I don't think so. All right, I'll close the public hearing and ask for a motion. I make a motion to <coughs> approve VA 2402. Now, do I have to add the fact of the change in the landscape? Design and the roof design? No, because oh. that's it's a code of requirement. Okay. So, so they weren't requesting a variance. Uh, they were just so it, that code requirement. It's okay to just say uh, approve um, VA 2402 all three variances. Back in. <coughs> Chairman Kennedy? Yes. Mr. Duane? Yes. Mr. Androkovics? Yes. Mr. Wright? Yes. And Mr. Rainbird? Yes. Okay, next item on the agenda is AB 2304, request to vacate parcel 841405000000J <laughs> within Edgewater Preserve Phase 1 and dedicate parcel 841405000000J as Palm Drive. Uh, staff report, please. Thank you. So this is kind of an unusual one. So when Edgewater Preserve came in, um, they dedicated to the city tract H, J, and L to be owned and maintained by the city of Edgewater. Track J, which is shown on this map, um, is a utility track where the utilities from 35th come down into Edgewater Preserve Phase 1. Uh, it also was meant to serve as an ingress and egress track to track L. Track L is this track right here. The purpose of track L was to provide access and essentially track J access to Mr. Timothy Jordan, who is a landlocked property in here. Um, the purpose of this vacation of the city property is to uh, allow Mr. Jordan access across a right-of-way instead of a city-owned property um, to access Track L to get to his site. The developer, Lennar, is going to put in a driveway cut here, and then subsequently the city's going to backfill this area with shell to provide enough access for Mr. Jordan to get back to his landlocked private property. Okay. I'll open the public hearing and ask if anybody has any comments or questions. <coughs> we 
Good evening. I'm Pamela Jordan. My address is 3228 Travelers Palm Drive, Edgewater. My husband and myself own the said property in question there, of, uh, where it says Timothy Jordan. And I just wanted to address you all and say we have been dealing with Lenar Homes and their uh, representatives for the last two years to get access to our property. So at this point in time, this is the only solution there really is. So I just um, am asking that you request the grant and grant the request of uh, doing this. Um, my only other concern is, is in reading uh, the letter that you all sent out on the 30th of January, you are referring to this parcel in question as located at 3959 Willowbrook Willow Drive, but that is actually our property address. So I just want to make sure there's no confusion in those two things. No, because that changed. I took the address that was once the city property and gave it to Mr. Jordan. Correct. Yeah. But just the way it sounds in this letter. It was mostly for the public to understand where track J is. Okay. I just want to make sure that that's. No, no. That's, I mean, you guys still have that address. We assigned it to you. From correct. Yes, it's already on the Volusia County property records. Right. That Correct. Yes, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? All right, I'll close the public hearing and ask for a motion. Make a motion to approve. I hope we approve it. To send a favorable recommendation. Okay. Make a motion to send a favorable <coughs> recommendation to City Council for AB 2304. Recommendation. <coughs> Chairman Kennedy. Yes. Mr. Duane. Yes. Mr. Andrew Kovics. Yes. Mr. Wright. Yes. And Mr. Hatcher. I mean, um, how did I do that? Yes. Mr. Rainbird. <laughs> Okay, next item on the agenda is TA012024, request to update Article 2, definitions, Article 3, permitted, conditional, accessory, and prohibited uses, Article 6, sign regulations, and Article 20, Ridgewood Avenue corridor design regulations. Uh, can we have a staff report, please? Yes, thank you, Mr. Chair. So the um, City Council was asked by Development services to prepare text amendment changes to the land development code to allow for several things. Um, those being uh, feather flags, murals, decals, and pawn shops and tattoo parlors. Um, these were presented to uh, City Council at the January 22nd, 2024 City Council workshop. And we did receive consensus from the council to move forward with these text amendment changes. So the request here is to amend Article 2 definitions, to add definitions for feather flags and murals to said article, to amend Article 3, permitted conditional accessory and prohibited uses, um, to allow the use of pawn shops and tattoo parlors or body piercing studios within the highway commercial B3 zoning designation um, subject to an applicant meeting specific criteria. So I'll go through this portion of this PowerPoint slide and then we'll address the other one. So this one doesn't have too many, but essentially this would allow a individual to set up a pawn shop 
for a tattoo parlor by right in Highway Commercial if they could meet the following criteria. That no pawn shop or tattoo parlor or body piercing studio shall be located within 250 feet a pre-existing commercial establishment that in any manner sells or dispenses alcohol for on-premise consumption, within 250 feet of a pre-existing religious institution, within 500 feet of pre-existing public park, or within 1,000 feet of an educational institution. Uh, no tattoo bar bo parlors, body piercing studios shall operate between the hours of 9 p.m. and 8 a.m., and no pawn shop shall operate between the hours of 12 a.m. and 6 a.m. And the reason for those hours of operation is due to Florida statutes for pawn shops. Um, no part of the interior of a pawn shop or tattoo parlor or body piercing studio shall be visible from any pedestrian sidewalk, walkway, street, or any public or semi-public area. And then um, no more than one tattoo or body may be located within 500 feet of each other. I apologize for that being cut off. Does the board have any questions? Uh, feather flags. Uh, <laughs> so this would be to amend Article 6, Section 21. Oh, I apologize. Article 6, Section 21-6305, feather flags, and to amend Article 20, Section 21-650-06, exempted signs to allow feather flags within neighborhood business B2, highway commercial B3, tourist commercial B4, light industrial I1, and heavy industrial I2 zoning districts. The intent here by city council is to issue a pilot program, um, and they wanted to take this to the board for their consideration to issue a recommendation to them. Um, the, the intent is to have a pilot program to see how it works out. So in essence, what has happened is that city staff have divided the city into feather flag zones. Um, each zone has a number of business tax licenses within it. We have to edit this spreadsheet, um, and our JAS uh, admin is working on that at this time. But essentially, one, one, once per quarter, a business would be allowed to have a feather flag for 30 days. The city will only issue one-third of the total number of business tax licenses within that zone per month. And so in essence, what will end up happening, for example, in one of the zones, say zone two, where there's 12 businesses, only four members of the public or four businesses within there could get a feather flag for 30 days per month for that quarter. The idea is to limit the number of flags so the whole city doesn't look like a carnival or all of a sudden you've got a, a circus. Can I make a statement? I don't see this being an issue now, I don't know. I mean, my question is, how are you going to police it? Well, you're not. They're not allowed now. That's the that's the difference. No, I understand that. So I, I understand. That. I, my only question is, who's going to manage this? Because yeah. it seems like it's going to be a bear. You got forty different zones with X number of businesses, and it's first come, first serve. You know, there's going to be some people who just absolutely have no interest in feather flags. And then there's going to be people who are like, I've been waiting my whole life for a feather flag. <laughs> so, I mean, I've talked to business owners, and they're like, why can't we have feather flags? They haven't been new Smyrna. I'm like, talk to your city council person. They're the ones in charge. So, I mean, I feel like it's going to be... Like, it, it will be a substantial burden. Uh, Jeff substantial management exercise for development huh? services 
um, to issue it, but that has been the direction the council continuously will execute. It, is this it is this just set for like a twelve month period, and then we'll revisit so, it? Or so essentially, this would go after this meeting because it's an ordinance. It would be then adopted in two months at the second city council reading. A month later, it would then go into effect for we would open up the program because we'd have public outreach. It'll run through the summer months. During that time, at the request of council, I will queue up a repeal ordinance, which will go to planning and zoning, then city council for two readings in the event that they do not want to have the pilot program. So you will see guess you will see in May, you will see this item again with an appeal. And then it would go to city council twice in the event that they want to appeal or repeal the program. Okay. There is a $100 fee per quarter. And that's simply because of the amount of work that we will require in So my other question is, if, if there's 12 businesses in zone two and only four of them at a time can have the permit, um, if once that month is over and the next month comes up, those four people that had access to the sign or act, could have had the permit at that point, if they've already had it, then they can't have it again until it's cycled all the way through. Correct. So you can only have, basically, you can only have your 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 flag for 30, one, days. 30 days out of a 90-day period. Correct. Correct. Got it. Unless the other business doesn't want it, then they could have it again? No. Oh, okay. So at this time, no. If, there's, if, if someone doesn't apply for this, I am, I have scheduled council chambers for a Saturday. Mm -hmm. I've scheduled two nightly meetings in anticipation of the rollout of this program to allow the public and the business owners as many opportunities to get in here, understand it's first come, first serve. Staff will publish the application um, regularly on the website to understand where you are, when your permit is issued, how long you have it for. Um, so it, it's, it, it's, a lot it's of work. Either use it or lose it. Correct, yeah. So if you're in the zone, you know, you want to you want to make the application because we will process them as we get them in and we will categorize them where you are in your zone. Correct. And then if you're within that zone and you're the first 30 days, it'll just be important. It'll be really important and helpful if the public business owners get us all their applications as soon as possible. That's why I'm going to do the three meetings to hopefully do the outreach so that people are aware. So if they want to do it, they're not coming in on month two trying to apply and, and, and we're trying to figure out where they're at. I'm hoping that people will get their application in early, they'll get their sign, and then they will know when they're ready to go, what date they're ready to put it out, and for how long they can have it. There's a size limit? Yeah, so it's two and a half by 12 feet tall. Two and a half feet wide by 12 feet tall. That's based on my research. Yeah, it's kind of like the standard. It's not a small, not a large, but it's kind of just a medium-sized feather flag. Um, so, so can I ask you the feather flags that are flying in front of Hacienda Del Rio for the last six months? Or counting? No, no they, no, they came into the city. So 
PUDs mm. are allowed to fly, fly this. Whoops. All right. That's interesting. I look at it every day. I look at them every day when I pull out. I thought it was only when they were for sale. Well, Hacienda's always for sale. I guess. Yeah, they just, they <laughs> yeah. just built at the point. new units. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as if there are active sales, typically they are. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Any other questions? All right, I will close. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. One sorry. more. Uh, we got window decals. So currently, um, there are a number of places without throughout the city that have window decals. Um, our code right now um, says that it can't be within between four feet and seven feet above the adjacent ground. Shall not be covered by opaque signage. <coughs> so essentially, this one is a cleanup one because no one in the city is following it. We're not code enforcing it. So I'm just codifying a standard as more applicable to what businesses are actually doing. Um, and in effect, I don't think it really will impact any business to a great extent. Um, and other people have come in asking about decals, and I tell them this code, and they say, well, I don't, I'm not going to spend the money and do that when I could get code enforced. I said, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't issue a permit for that, right? So... Um, this one would allow for window signs not to exceed 25% of front doors, and then for window signs not to exceed 75% of all windows facing right-of-ways. So it's pretty... So the massage parlor on Parkin, US 1, how does that fall in? So because they have those other two there, yeah. it would be okay. Because when dixie just puts them up? Everyone <laughs> puts them up. So um, this one's mostly a cleanup one. Um, just to standardize. And then murals. Um, so murals right now are not allowed in Ridgewood in Article 20. So this would allow a person on Ridgewood to apply for a mural with development services. Um, and development services would review the mural application uh, in accordance with the following standards. It does not depict obscene imagery. Located <coughs> in the B3 Highway Commercial Zoning District. Does not create a ha traffic hazard, um, limited to one facade. It can be located on the front facade, but it cannot occupy more than 50% of said wall and shall not exceed 12 feet in height. Um, a mural on the side facade shall not occupy more than 100% of a blank wall when the wall is below 16 feet in height. A mural on a side facade with a wall greater than 16 feet in height shall have murals limited to 50% of said wall. Murals would not be able to exceed 24 feet in height. Um, so essentially, this is because it's not allowed right now. Some people have expressed an interest in it. These regulations were modified from the city of Moose Jersey. Um, some of the things that were, we don't have buildings that are up to 60 feet tall, so mm -hmm. we broke out and modified them. But. Okay. Is that the last one or no? Yeah. Any other questions? All right, I'll close the public hearing and ask for a motion. All right, we uh, I propose a motion to um, accept TA 012024, um, the updates on Article 2, Article 3, Article 4, 
design regulation, Article 20, along which was uh, sent to Council. Yeah, favorable recommendation. Favorable recommendation. Article 6, not 4. I'm sorry. 6. Second. The nuns would be unhappy with me now. I used to be afraid of that stuff. Okay. Chairman Kennedy. Yes. Mr. Duane. Yes. Mr. Andrukovics. Yes. Mr. Wright. Yep. And Mr. Rainbird. Yes. Uh, request to amend Chapter 10 of the City of Edgewater's Code of Ordinances to regulate food trucks. Staff report, please. Thank you. So, food trucks. Uh, they've been popping up around the city. This was another one that members of City Council had asked development services to bring to the workshop to see if there was consensus um, regarding establishing regulations. Uh, these, this, uh, Regulation was brought to the January 22nd, 2024 City Council Workshop. Staff did receive consensus among council members to move forward with the proposed text amendments. Um, so Chapter 509 was amended by the Florida legislature to preempt cities from requiring permits for food trucks. However, it does allow cities to establish regulations for said food trucks. Um, what we're trying to prevent is just people parking randomly um, in places they're not supposed to park. Um, excessive signage. Um, so in this case, the regulations here are that it restricts them to either our <coughs> highway commercial, light industrial, heavy industrial, recreation, public, semi-public. I allowed the recreation and public, semi-public in case people wanted to run out of park and have food trucks there. Um, food trucks must receive approval from the property owner to operate on their property. Uh, food trucks may only operate between the hours of 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. Food trucks may not operate upon any parcel that has a restaurant or sells food and beverages with the exception of gas stations. And this is to protect the brick and mortar restaurants who are paying for most of these trucks. Um, food trucks may not connect to city utilities. Food trucks may not operate on any parcel that does not have a principal use. Um, they're prohibited from operating on vacant parcels. Uh, no more than two food trucks may be located on any given parcel. Food trucks shall not decrease the amount of parking on a subject parcel by more than 20%. I clarified um, how and where uh, if outdoor seating is allowed, or when they provide it, where it will go <coughs> in the adjacent parking stall. Uh, they're required to park on paved surfaces. Uh, they shall provide their own waste collection. They may not operate in rights-of-ways, landscape buffers, stormwater collection and conveyance systems, or easements. Uh, there's been one down... Ridgewood that's been parked in a landscape buffer for Lulu. some time now. Um, food trucks not, may not operate within 25 feet of a residential structure unless a specific site plan has been approved for said parcel of operation of a food truck port. And then they cannot park overnight um, in the zoning districts. And then uh, they shall not display any form of temporary signage. They just utilize the truck as they will. Okay. Questions? Did you, was was that food truck served or, or spoken to? Because it's gone. Yeah, yeah, we've been trying to code enforcement, the ones that are parking on grassy areas and in landscape buffers. Because I, I was curious, he, they're plugged into the electrical outlet there at the corner yeah. of that property, and I'm just <clears> curious who's paying that bill. I don't know. So that's another thing is we don't, you need to be, 
self-enclosed. We don't want you tapping into any sort of utilities. Any other questions? All right, I will close the hearing and ask for a motion. Make a motion to send a favorable recommendation to City Council regarding approval of TA 02 2024 for amended Chapter 10. Second. Okay. Chairman Kennedy. Yes. Mr. Duane. Yes. Mr. Androkovics. Yes. Mr. Wright. Yes. And Mr. Rainbird. Yes. Okay, next item on the agenda is the Development Services Director's Report. Uh, so we've been very busy. We have a lot of exciting projects coming up at the city. Um, I have managed to hire a senior planner. Um, he will be starting March 4th. Um, we've also hired, we lost one of our building technicians up front earlier this uh, last month. And we have hired another building technician who will start on the 20th. We are still looking for building inspectors. Uh, we need to hire two new building inspectors. Um, and the city of New Smyrna Beach, our contract with our current building official is, is ending. He wants to go in a different direction. Um, and so the city of New Smyrna Beach has offered us their building uh, official until we can go out to bid for our contract for eventually. Was that Wolf's lot that wasn't filled or vacant now? Uh, yeah, so Walt and then the other building inspector, Walt, retired. I know. And then we had another one. He was training owned. one here. Correct. He's gone? And, no, Bo is still here. Oh, okay. The city. Um, but there's still two open positions. Is that all? That's it. Okay. Good. Thank you. Meeting is adjourned. Can I get some sushi? Thank you.